Omar Ganatim Randasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshora Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So we are continuing our study of the 8th chapter of the 7th canto. We are on verse 30 today. And going up to 34. Okay. So verse 30. Lord Nishingadev's mouth and mane were sprinkled with drops of blood, and his fierce eyes full of anger were impossible to look at. Licking the edge of his mouth with his tongue, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Nishingadev, decorated with a garland of intestines taken from Hiranyakashipu's abdomen, resembled a lion that has just killed an elephant. <clears throat> so it is um, interesting that this form of the Lord is worshipped by all, many parts of India. <laughs> and, and and sometimes Srila Prabhupada would say things like, you know, that God is... It has a variety of aspects aspects to him. So in this case, of course, we know that we just heard last week how he took us the specific form to somehow work around Lord Brahma's benediction, right? Not in the day, not at night, not by a human being, not by an animal. You can't be killed by any of those things, not by something living, not by something, you know. So this was the perfect a uh, way to in to uh, keep Lord Brahma's promise and also to protect his great devotee, Prahlad. So 31, the Supreme Personality of God, who had many, many arms, first uprooted Hiranyakashipu's heart and then threw him aside and turned toward the demon soldiers. The soldiers had come in thousands to fight with him with raised weapons and were very faithful followers of Hiranyakashipu. But Lord Nrsinghadev killed them all merely with the ends of his nails. And of course, we understand as in the uh, Battle of Kurukshetra that uh, they got where they got great benediction by being um, thus slain. But, it, 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 but well, I think a lesson that we can learn in our practical life from this one, well, many lessons, but one is. Um, Krishna really doesn't like it when you offend his devotees. <laughs> this is like the ultimate really not liking it. Right? But it's something that, that uh, every devotee sh- who wants to be make advancement in Krishna consciousness and become dear to Krishna must like, you know, uh, etch in their heart to avoid uh, uh, offending the devotees of the Lord. <clears throat> Because they are very dear to the Lord. Very, very dear. In a case like Prahlad Maharaj, he's just a young boy. A great uh, devotee. So I think that's like the one of the big lessons from this, this pastime. And then 32. Uh, the hair on Nishingadev's head shook the clouds and scattered them here and there. His glaring eyes stole the effulgence of the luminaries in the sky. And his breathing agitated the seas and oceans. Because of his roaring, all the elephants in the world began to cry. Now that's that's significant because elephants usually their their noise sometimes scares others, right? And and here there there so that's a that's a nice way to compare something, right? You take something that's extreme in this world and say, you know, something else is much more extreme than that, right? Um, yeah, you know, you might uh, say, you know, um, the uh, the pitcher for the New York Yankees, he, you know, he makes uh, Sandy Koufax look like a, a amateur or, you know, some famous pitcher, right? <laughs> Nolan Ryan or whatever, you know. So, you, the, so the comparison here is very... Uh, the uh, example here is very nice that he had the elephants in fear. And Prabhupada writes in the purport that the deep waves of the seas and oceans and the many other wonders within the creation of the Supreme Personality of God had all become insignificant when the Lord, in his special feature, 
incarnates within this material world. Everything is insignificant in comparison to his personal, all-defeating, transcendental qualities. And above that, Prabhupada quotes a pretty, quite a famous verse in the Bhagavad Gita. Yad yad vibhutimat sattvam srimad urjitam eva va tatad eva bhagachatvam mamate jomsa sambhavan. Know that all beautiful, glorious, and mighty creations spring from but a spark of my splendor. Isn't that nice? Mama, my, uh, teja, amsa. Amsa means a very small part, right? Of my energy. Yeah. So a spark of my splendor. Prophets. Very nice English translation there. Mm-hmm. So this again is also something to meditate upon that so many things in life see, you know, like for example, we may, as, as, in our humility or even in our factual um, assessment of ourselves, think, you know, how can I become pure? How can I become advanced? How can I, I have so many, my mind is like this or that. Um, and so it's, it's purports like this that say, well, yeah, you can't, maybe we can't do it, but Krishna can do anything. He's uh, everything, even in this whole creation is just a spark of his splendor. So, any uh, thoughts or questions or comments before we move on? No, I'm good. Okay. Um, so then, a little continuation of of this. Uh, airplanes were thrown into outer space, and the upper planetary system, uh, and the upper planetary system, by the hair on Shingadev's head, because of the pressure of the Lord's lotus feet, the earth appeared to slip from its position and all the hills and mountains sprang up due to his intolerable force. Because of the Lord's bodily effulgence, both the sky and all directions diminished in their natural illumination. Manifesting a full effulgence and a fearsome continence, Lord Nursingha, being very angry and finding no contestant to face his power and opulence, then sat down in the assembly hall on the excellent throne of the king. Because of fear and obedience, no one could come forward to serve the Lord directly. Mm. And then we get the backstory a little bit, right? At the end of the purport. Hiranyakashipu, however, had formerly been Jaya, the doorkeeper of the, at the Vaikuntha gate. And although he had fallen because of the curse of the Brahmanas and had gotten the nature of a demon, and although he had never offered anything to the Lord as Hiranyakashipu. The Lord is so affectionate to his devotee and servant that he nonetheless uh, took pleasure in sitting on the throne that Hiranyakashipu had created. In this regard, it is to be understood that a devotee is fortunate in any condition of life. Hmm. So everyone was afraid, you know, would have been terrified uh, a hour earlier to sit on the throne of Hiranyakashipu's Right. Oops, I just lost my spot. One second. <clears throat> so, can I say something here? Yep. I've noticed that um, a lot of people are uh, really, like, uh, as in a lot of times non-devotees, are really fascinated by these references to spaceships and airplanes and Oh, yeah. Weapons that kind of seem like nuclear weapons in uh, a lot of the texts of, um, you know, the various texts. Um, it's it's kind of interesting. I, I've gone back and tried to, you know, research a little bit to find out, like, what was going on around the times of some of these stories, like, according to archaeology, you know. Like the Mahabharata, uh, I don't know how to Mahabharata. Yeah, Mahabharata, and um, I don't know. I, I've kind of stopped trying to figure it out. I don't, I don't, it just seems like these stories are like timeless. I don't think they're going to fit into archaeology. And I kind of have this theory that people look not just in these texts, but the Bible and all this stuff. They they look for this like 
smoking gun that sort of will will give them 100% proof that these things are true outside of, you know, regular thought and, and, you know, mainstream thought. And, you know, I used to do that too. And I kind of came to the conclusion that if that smoking gun actually existed, it would almost render everything not to work because the whole point is that you make that leap of faith. And if you can prove the religion scientifically, it becomes uh, almost like a, like a um, scholarly or uh, intellectual act rather than a faithful one. This is a very good point and a very, very good point. And something that um, I took a class on Gaudiya Vaishnav history uh, with the devotees from Oxford, um, the Oxford Center for Hindu Studies. And so Radhika Raman Prabhu, who is a great scholar, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you know him, uh, Dean. He's the one who graduated from college at 14 and got his PhD at 19 from Oxford. <laughs> Maybe I, I like at this point, I think I know a lot of faces, you know, I've met so many people. And, he's an amazing, uh, amazing scholar. Now he's mm-hmm. the head of the religion department at uh, Utah State University. Previously, he was at William and Mary. Um, but anyway, uh, that's just his credentials. But uh, so we were talking about this very point and he, he totally agrees, totally in line with you. He, he was saying that, um, for example, you know, there's sometimes they've taken these aerial views of uh, South India where the, you know, um, the tip of South India connects uh, or is cl- relatively close to Sri Lanka. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to, you know, show that there was a bridge built by Lord Ram millions of years ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he said that that's, somebody will say yes, somebody else will come and say with something no. Or, or, you know, Krishna's city of Dwarka. And, and it's, it is timeless in, in one sense, or at least. And then he went into a whole discussion about how the, the challenge with archaeology in reference to Vedic literature is it's, it, it takes a totally different approach. It takes a linear approach mm-hmm. and time is cyclical. Right. In, in, uh, in, the, in, in the Vedic approach. And he said many, many, many other things that are really brilliant, and um, I probably have notes on it somewhere. But he, but to, you know, in brief, he was totally agreeing with you that that's not the. Um, there is a way. Um, it's through revelation. It's through devotion that one gets some understanding. Prabhupada had such incredible faith in the uh, in in the scriptures, and there is some. Of course, there is some reasoning. Definitely, you know. Um, um, it's not that we just say, no, no, you should just blindly accept. Mm-hmm. But that, but there's, there's a, there's a lot between blindly accepting on one hand and, uh, totally, uh, saying it has to be proven by modern techniques on the other hand. There's all kinds of things in between that. Yeah. That are more reasonable, that are reasonable. By, by the way, is, is the name that you meant, that's not Graham Shway, is it? No, no, no. Okay, okay. It's uh, it's uh, Ravi Gupta. Okay. Yeah, I, I remember reading in in one of the purports by a Prabhupada where he he kind of like says it's it's just an exercise in futility to try to explain these stories archaeologically. He almost is saying that they may not necessarily have even happened on this planet. You know, these stories get disseminated throughout the universe and. He, I remember he also kind of said that even the stories themselves, I mean, the, the, the Krishna's God's intelligence is so beyond yes. the, the, our concept. I mean, not even like we're, we're such specs that I, I, I can't remember the analogy they used, but it was something like these are almost like, like fairy tales to give us some kind of Ability to understand. I'm not saying they're fairy tales. That, well, yeah, that's the wrong word. Tales, but, 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 but they're summaries. They're summaries, obviously, because you can't, mm-hmm. you know, can't write about each day of Krishna's life. You know, take up the whole University of Michigan Library. They're representations for our consumption of things that are otherwise 
totally beyond human and in, in nice. I think that's a nice way to put it. Yeah. Uh, in the chat, uh, yeah, uh, Sadaputa Prabhu, his uh, name is Richard Thompson. He he passed away some years ago, but he uh, yeah. has written his his book was called. Uh, he worked with uh, Judah Karma Prabhu, who's still very much alive, called uh, Forbidden Archaeology. And it's a very thick book. And then there's a popular summary of it called The Hidden History of the Human Race. And, but their specific point, um, was to, um, bring into question some of the uh, modern archaeological, uh, techniques. Um, not so much to just say the Vedas are absolutely right, you know, but, but to say, but at the end, that the books do go into some, well, here's an alternative uh, way of looking at things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good, good point, though. And it's funny because it was something that we had just spoke a few months ago with Radhika Raman Prabhu. Um, yeah, it's a very, it's a, it's quite a, it's, it's a great book. It was, uh, it, it caused quite a stir in the arche- archaeological, um, amongst archaeologists, you know, uh, what was the famous guy Carl Sagan? He said, "This book is bunk." You know, uh, really? <laughs> yeah. Which book? The, uh, the one that that's in the chat, and that, oh, that okay. of course that of course was great for sales. By the way, when, yeah. Well, Carl Sagan seems to speak quite fondly of. Um, I, I saw like something from his on YouTube, and he seemed to suggest that the description of the cosmos, yeah, and these texts lines up a quite quite nicely with what yeah. they were that's right but i think it was him maybe it was him. but anyway he of course he passed away also uh, yeah long ago, but yeah um anything else on this andy any comments on the world as you see it well i looked into this too okay and uh you can find very old pictures of these airplanes they have no aerodynamic <laughs> qualities but i think the thing that's amazing is they said there's airplanes, right? And uh, what reconciling with science at any point in time would be a different exercise because in the 1800s, you explain it one way. If you explain it the same way now, they say, well, no, that doesn't make any sense because their science has changed, right? Yeah. And so just the fact, you have to think about it, just the fact that they said there are airplanes, that's pretty amazing like 5,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. And they were right. There are airplanes. <laughs> And some of the big spaceships now you look at SpaceX is is making, they just look like a huge grain silo. They have no aerodynamic look at all, right? So, and the thing flies. It can fly to other planets. So uh, I think the only belief part is that it's amazing that they said there are flying. Um, yeah, things, yeah. Right? Of course, and they there are. From, uh, Vimanas. Which, yeah. which, you know, the best translation is airplane. But, you know, we think airplane, we think of Boeing 757 or something. Yeah. Or whatever. But yes, that, it, 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 you're, that's a good point. These, these are things from a long time ago. They mentioned them. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. So we can, uh, let's see, we can continue. Um, that was 30. Yeah, actually, Prabhupada says it right there. Uh, that there were airplanes flying in the sky long, long ago can be understood from this verse. Srimad Bhagavatam was spoken 5,000 years ago, and the statements of this verse prove the symptoms of a very advanced civilization that existed, even in, uh, even in the upper planetary systems. And of course, this didn't happen 5,000 years ago. This happened way, way before that, the um, pastime with Prahlad and Shangadev. So, text 34, manifesting a full effulgence and a fearsome, oh, did I read that? Yeah, I I think so. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, okay, right, yes. Oh, so the other thing, and I think we spoke about this last week, where was I speaking? I I give a number of classes every week, so I don't remember who I said what to, but um, it's also interesting that oftentimes in the, scriptures where there's a pastime, there's a backstory. So here's the backstory, right? That Hiranyakashipu was actually a devotee of, of the Lord who, um, in, you know, giant one, either he was Jai or Vijay, I can't remember which one he was, and who was, you know, cursed by the, um, four Kumaras. And, and so, so, okay, he's acting like a totally ruining the universe and a 
terrible person. And ultimately, you know, he's a devotee who chose to take three births as a demon rather than seven births as a devotee before going back to Godhead. And you see this often in, 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 uh, with these six children that were killed before, um, Krishna was born, um, and Yogamaya and Krishna, um, represent, you know, the six, uh, uh, enemies, you know, lust, greed, etc. Right. So they had to be cleared out before. So there, there's many, many times you see this, that there's a, uh, there's a, there's something going on behind the scenes, so to speak, or in a, what do they call it? When it's not a sequel, it's a prequel. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a prequel to the, uh, to the Bhagavatam story sometimes. Okay. Um, yeah, and that means that um, things are often not what they seem to be, right? Uh, there's, a, there's a, yeah. I think that's that's true on many different levels. It's like when Srila Prabhupada told Peter Burwash, you know, do not be upset at the agent of your karma. So if somebody is doing something to us, we we we, we start categorizing them as enemy. Um, but there's another way to look at it. I guess it's, uh, in the world today, you would, they would use the term paradigm shift, right? Or, or, uh, reframing is another, in my, in my occupation, reframing. So another way to, uh, to look at it instead of, I hate this guy or this person is that, oh, this person is delivering me my karma. That's very nice of them. <laughs> right? Because we also have, prequels many 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 according to the vedic literature and we don't know we think we're a pretty nice person and all this but we don't know whatever what we have done in previous lives either all nice or all not so nice so the point is um and that's why it is often said that that one wants to adjust one's vision to Shastra Chakshus, to see through the eyes of Shastra, through the eyes of Scripture, through the eyes of other uh, more advanced souls. Shastra Chakshus, it's called. So, yeah, so, and that also ties in with the, um, the four imperfections of a conditioned soul, that we are, our senses are imperfect, Right. And that's, that's, I think we're pretty obvious. We have a tendency to make mistakes. We have a tendency to be an illusion and, and we have a cheating propensity. That doesn't mean we cheat on our taxes necessarily or don't tell the truth, but we, um, uh, we, well, I guess ultimately it means that we, you know, we want to avoid God, <laughs> avoid Krishna, but we do sometimes want to take advantage of other people. Um, like that. So, so that fact of making mistakes, imperfect senses, uh, mind to be carried away by illusion, that would indicate that, um, we might want to look for a alternate or alternative or maybe a better thing is an additional way to gain knowledge. Because generally we gain knowledge, right? Through the knowledge acquiring senses through the eyes, through the nose, through, you know, like that. Um, and so, or, or at least the, we may still gain knowledge through that way, you know, we hear, but what we expose our senses to, right? If we expose, you know, if you expose your senses to Fox News, you're going to think in a certain way. If you expose your senses to CNN or MSNBC, NBC, you're going to think in a certain way. Um, it, and also the people that you, of course, um, Choosing either of those or anything else, it, it is a kind of association, isn't it? You're kind of getting, um, I don't know the, the, uh, what was it named? The Wolf Sir or something like that? The guy on CNN? Oh, uh, Wolf Blitzer. Oh, Wolf Blitzer. Yeah. Okay. So you're getting his association or you're getting, uh, what is his name? Tucker Carlson. Is that his name? You're actually getting some of their association and, and your senses are taking in that that knowledge or, or, you know, whatever we, whatever we're doing. Um, 
the, our senses are, the, our knowledge acquiring senses are taking us. So what are we exposing our knowledge acquiring senses to? Is another way to think about, um, our life. What are we seeing? What are we hearing? What are we tasting? What are we smelling? What are we touching? Right. These, um, very much affect us. So that's why, you know, the, Great devotees like Ambrish Maharaj are, are glorified because they, they use their, their, their working senses, their legs to walk to the temple of the Lord. They use their, you know, eyes to see the beautiful form of the Lord, their ears to hear about the Lord, like that. So they expose their knowledge acquiring and working senses to, um, something that's favorable to their spiritual life. Mm-hmm. And they understand that and, and at the same time, understand the limitations, uh, like we just said, the four defects of a conditioned soul. Okay, any questions or comments on that? Otherwise, we can keep going up to the next one is 40. Okay, and we'll go up to 40. Uh, 35. Hiranyakashipu had been exactly like a fever of meningitis in the head of the three worlds. So here, uh, I was trying to look at, uh, um, obviously the, the, the illness meningitis is not mentioned directly, exactly in the translation. Um, but it's a terrible, terrible disease and it does include very intense headaches and fever. And here, mustaka, Dvaram, the headache. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a fever of meningitis in the head of the three worlds. Thus, when the wives of the demigods in the heavenly planets saw that the great demon had been killed by the personal hands of the supreme personality of God, their faces blossomed in great joy. The wives of the demigods again and again showered flowers from heaven upon Lord Nishingadev like rain. So they were... They were relieved and grateful, grateful to the Lord and relieved of the anxiety that Hiranyakashipu was causing them in their lives. At that time, the airplanes of the demigods who desired to see the activities of the Supreme Lord Narayana crowded the skies. Okay, so there was air traffic control issues. The demigods began beating drums and kettle and uh, kettle drums. And upon hearing them, the uh, angelic women began to dance while the chiefs of the Gandharvas sang sweetly. My dear King Yudhisthira, the demigods then approached the Lord. They were headed by Lord Brahma, King Indra and Lord Shiva and included great saintly persons and the residents of Pitri Loka, Siddha Loka, Vidhartara Loka and the planets of the snakes. The Manus approached, and so did the chiefs of various other planets. The angelic dancers approached, as did the Gantarvas, the Charanas, the Yakshas, the inhabitants of Kinnara Loka, uh, the Vaitalas, uh, the inhabitants of Kimpurush Loka, the personal and the personal servants of Vishnu, like Sunanda and Kumuda. All of them came near the Lord, who glowed with intense light. They individually offered obeisances and prayers, their hands folded uh, at their heads. That's like this. Okay. So what we hear now is all those all those names that we just uh, listed, they're yeah, all yeah. going to be um, offering prayers. And of course, one of the significant things is that none of them were able to pacify the Lord in their prayers. Uh, and ultimately, it was only Prahlad who was able to do so. Okay. Um, Lord Brahma prayed, My Lord, you are unlimited and you possess unending potencies. No one can estimate or calculate your prowess and wonderful influence, for your actions are never polluted by the material energy. Through the material qualities, you very easily create the universe, maintain it, and again annihilate it. You remain the same without deterioration. I therefore offer my respectful obeisances unto you. Um, in the purport, it says, The activities of the Lord are always wonderful. 
His personal servants, Jai and Vijay, were confidential friends, yet they were cursed and they accepted the body of demons. Again, in the family of one such demon, Prahlad Maharaj was caused to take birth to exhibit the behavior of an exalted devotee. And then the Lord accepted the body of Nishingadev to kill the, the same demon, who by the Lord's own will had taken birth in a demoniac family. Therefore, who can understand the Lord's transcendental activities? Not to speak of understanding the transcendental activities of the Lord, no one can understand even the activities of his servants. In the Chaitanya Charitamrita, it is said, Tanra Vakya Kriya Mudra Vigaya Na Bujaya. No one can understand the activities of the Lord's servants. Therefore, what to speak of the activities of the Lord? Who can understand how Krishna is benefiting the entire world? The Lord is addressed as Turanta Shakti, because no one can understand his potencies and how he acts. Um, so this also it takes putting on a certain set of glasses, right? Where it says, Krishna, who can understand how Krishna is benefiting the entire world? And someone said, well, benefiting? There's fires in Oregon. There's COVID going crazy in Indonesia. Um, but it's, 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 put, it's looking through a different lens, understanding that, well, you know, people are reaping their karma that they chose to do in, in this life or previous lives. But Krishna is supplying the air, supplying the sunlight, and most of all, you know, supplying, you know, um, an opportunity to reconnect with him. So, so it's, you know, again, it's a paradigm shift. It's a, uh, it's reframing of the situation. And that is, um, yeah, that is, that is required in, in spiritual life. Um, I mean, there's certain things in the Gita that most sane people in their saner moments, at least, would totally agree with. Like, you know, when Krishna said that material, material worlds is a place of suffering, um, to Kalayama Sashritam, you know, when we're, especially when we are going through some suffering, it's like, yeah, that's, that's, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. Um, but it is the, 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 the Srimad Bhagavatam and the Bhagavad Gita, they are literally like putting, asking us to put on different glasses. And as difficult as it is to understand the Lord's activities, even the Lord's devotees. And there, this goes back to what we were saying earlier. And therefore, so important to uh, avoid making assumptions about um, people's intentions and what's people in general and devotees specifically, because we may get it wrong. Um, there's that saying that even if you see Lord Nityananda walking into a liquor store, you should understand that he's going there not to buy liquor, but to share Krishna consciousness with the person there. <laughs> so it's, it's, um, and it's not, yeah, it's not always easy to understand. I mean, a lot of Prabhupada's activities are clear as day, right? Why do someone say, why did he get on a, on a steamship, um, at 69 years old? Well, that's kind of pretty obvious. He wanted to, follow the instructions of his spiritual master, and he wanted to, uh, you know, share Krishna consciousness with the world. Um, but sometimes a devotee will uh, do something that we're kind of scratching our heads about. And when we do that, usually it's very good to uh, check with that devotee and see if we understood their intentions correctly so as to avoid misunderstanding or this and this is true about you know anyone any you know just human interaction that uh but there's just so many examples i think we've talked about this a number of times but there's so many examples even in the shastra of um assumptions that led to offending people right Right, just like uh mother parvati thought that chitraketu was making fun of her husband lord shiva and he was in his airplane and watching Lord Shiva give a Bhagavatam class with his wife on his lap. That's a good example, actually, of, you know, uh, be careful what, you know, because externally, right, you're like, what? You're talking to renounced people, sannyasis, and you have your wife sitting on your lap? I mean, right? <laughs> um, so she, but she misunderstood Chitraketu that he wasn't really making fun of Lord Shiva, and so she cursed him. Um, 
And there's just so many, so many examples of, uh, and, and if we think about it, probably every day we make some assumption that isn't at least 100% accurate. So we should be careful about uh, our, our assumptions. So some thoughts on that point or the points in this verse? Yes, no, maybe? Yeah, it's hard to understand what's really going on for me. What's really going on where? Uh, in this verse, like, is they're praying to the Lord, and but is he thinking about annihilating the creation or? Uh, oh, in the uh, in the actual translation. Well, yeah, and what's okay. happening in the story? Uh, well, okay, so let's okay, so let's read it again, my Lord. You are unlimited. That's easy. I mean, that's not easy, but you know what I mean. <laughs> and you possess unending potencies. No one can estimate or calculate your prowess and wonderful influence, for your actions are never polluted by the material energy. Through the material qualities, you very easily create the universe, maintain it, and again annihilate it. Yet you remain the same without deterioration. So I don't, I don't, uh, what, what, what's the question, or what's the thought? Well, I think I, maybe I was reading too far ahead, because in the next verse, it's, it seems like Lord Shiva is trying to talk him down. Uh, Saying, "Well, don't destroy the whole universe because your your oh. glorious disciple, uh, Prahlad, uh, is right here, right?" Right. Right. Well, okay. That seems like this is leading up to it. Like Brahma must be addressing the same thing that Shiva is going to address in the next verse. They're all trying to, you know, um, yeah, calm him down because he's, yeah, you know, it's yeah. like you know, he's um, he's in his groove, so to speak, right? But of course, this is all pastimes, like I said earlier, because th there's such a wonderful lesson in the fact that no one could pacify him except Prahlad, you know, the, the, the pure devotee. So, um, but yes, you know, he just, he just ripped apart Hiranyakashipu, who the whole universe was afraid of. And then, you know, just for, you know, uh, you know, extra measure, he took out his, his army, and now he's still, yeah. I guess my real question is kind of scary is, uh, how long do we have to wait to see something like this? I mean, this is a shift for the whole universe. So this story, there must have been a lot of space in between something like this happening, and you just wonder how long it really takes for something big like this to happen where the whole universe changes. I mean, that well, demon yeah, was affecting the whole universe, and, and and he erased it like in a matter of no time. Right? Yeah, no time. Yes. I think like wonder, um, how long it would take to see something like that ever again. I think like to what we were talking about earlier. Like I used to have a lot of these questions, and I've just kind of stopped trying to <laughs> quantify the timelines and things like that. It's it, I just think that it's basically. Um, sort of beyond quantification you know what i mean it's i don't know yeah i yeah uh, yeah uh, it goes back to what we were talking about before and there's probably not like um any events of this magnitude until the end of kali yuga when kalki comes at least that's my understanding but at the same time there is the uh you know the golden age of lord chaitanya and um and the spreading of the sankirtan chanting of god's names um but yeah these you're right this is a, a major universal um experience and it's not one that i think is any i mean you know there's there's things that from an external from one point of view have been major like this whole thing with covid i mean that's kind of a major thing it's not necessarily on, it's not on the level of, you know here in the terrorizing the universe perhaps but um so there'll be Actually, there's always going to be disturbances. I, I think, I don't think since the United Nations was created that there's ever been a day without war somewhere in the world. Right. And, and it's just, um, if you, you know, again, a little bit about media, but if you, you know, if you listen to, you know, the, the, the main medias here in America, you basically get the American, what's happening in America. Yeah. Um, you tune into the BBC, you know, uh, our World Hour or something like that. You start seeing like all these things are going on all over the world, 
that you know we we're not not that we need to know everything that's going on in the world, but the, just the point of um, there's almost always something, isn't it? You know, it's just uh, it's a difficult place. Yeah. But on this magnitude, I think you're. I think Andy, you know, we uh, we probably be waiting. You know, you, if your hair isn't gray now, <laughs> what's left? Is yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think uh, you know. May not see anything of this magnitude. Uh, Lord Shaitanya was kind of like a backspin to Kali Yuga. I mean, everything's going down the tubes, right? And Okay, for the last um, 500 years, it's been in this up, upward momentum because of his appearance, but it's not the same magnitude as Nishimadev coming and changing the whole universe. <laughs> no, not yet, no. I mean, he, but, he, did, he did come down as Lord Chaitanya. God appeared and visited us. Yeah. So it's caused a 500-year uh, kind of hope, hopeful uprising, but... Uh, then we have to go back down the tubes if it's Kali Yuga. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's it is incredible. And not only did Lord Chaitanya come and teach Krishna consciousness, he taught like some of the highest understandings of Krishna and Vrindavan. So it's yeah. like a consolation prize for Kali Yuga, right? <laughs> it's yes. Yeah, you got to live in Kali Yuga, but look, I'm going to appear and make make it good for at least 500 or more years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the prediction is that 10,000 years of a golden age. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Now, see, that's good. Okay. Wait, what is this? The, the, uh, Lord Chaitanya's influence. Yeah. Uh -huh. The prediction is uh, 10,000 years. So sort of like within Kali Yuga, there's this kind of... Like golden age. Res respite type thing? Yeah. Or? Yeah. But I didn't um, know that. But things are still Kali Yuga, I mean... Yep, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, and we're not, obviously, we're not there yet by a long shot, but, you know, uh, the potential is there. You know, one time Prabhupada would say, uh, you know, Krish, the uh, Battle of Krukshetra took 18 days. He said if Krishna wanted to, he could spread his name and fame in 18 minutes. But he said, but he's leaving that for you to do. <laughs> That's your service. And so I was pointing to his disciples. Um, but, but yes, Lord Chaitanya is... Uh, it's, you know, it, it's, it, there's all these like, they're not contradictions, but juxtapositions that, you know, Krishna says very clearly in the Gita, it's a rare soul who can take this up. Manusyanam sahasreshu, um, he says in, um, in the Gita, that out of many thousands amongst, amongst uh, men, well, hardly one, um, is spiritually inclined. And out of thousands of the spiritually inclined, hardly one knows him in truth. And and yet, um, the process to understand them has become very easy. Yes, you know, chanting, hearing scriptures, taking prasadam like that. Um, other thoughts on this verse? So let us continue then. Uh, so we're going to be hearing a lot of prayers of uh, of uh, these great devotees trying to come. Uh, uh, have uh, Lord Nishingadev relinquish his anger. And uh, we said we would go up to verse 53. Um, Lord Shiva said, the end of the millennium is the time for your anger. So we say, not now. <laughs> now that this insignificant demon, Hiranyakashibu, has been killed, oh my Lord, who are, oh my Lord, who are naturally affectionate to your devotee, kindly protect his son, Prahlad Maharaj, was standing nearby as your fully surrendered devotee. So that sounds like it was a smart thing for Lord Shiva to, re to remind him of Prahlad. <laughs> Prabhupada writes in the purport, Therefore Lord Shiva reminded the Lord to act like an affectionate father toward Prahlad Maharaj, who was standing by the Lord's side as an exalted, fully surrendered devotee. Text 42, King Indra said, O Supreme Lord, you are our deliverer and protector. Our shares of sacrifices, which are actually yours, have been recovered from the demon by you. So in sacrifices, um, ultimately sacrifices are meant for the Lord uh, to please him, but offer, offer, offerings are often done uh, to the demigods as well. 
not by pure devotees, but in general. Because the Damaniya King Hiranyakashipu was most fearsome, our hearts, which are your permanent abode, were all overtaken by him. Now by your presence, the gloom and darkness in our hearts have been dissipated. O Lord, for those who always engage in your service, which is more exalted than liberation, all material opulence is insignificant. They do not even care for liberation, not to speak of the benefits of Kama, Artha, and Tama. So that is um, um, religiosity, sense gratification, and uh, economic development. So this is significant uh, from a um, philosophical point of view, because most many relig- religious people are seeking some kind of liberation, meaning you know freedom from suffering, um, and and light usually an impersonal idea of the supreme. But, but a devotee doesn't care for it. You know, I just want, devotees thinks, I just want to serve you, Krishna. If I get liberated or not liberated, that's up to you. That's not my business in one sense. My business is to serve you. And the next is, uh, the Rishis reply, uh, say, all the saintly persons present offered their prayers in this way. O Lord, O Supreme Maintainer of those sheltered at your lotus feet. And by the way, it's, it's some, it's also interest, interesting to see those who are offering prayers, how they approach Krishna, and it's often kind of through, you know, that said sometimes that we don't see things as they are, we see things as we are. So through their point of view, through their mindset, through what's important to them in their lives. So Rishis naturally are uh, great sages, perform austerities and penance and so here we see here, O Lord, O Supreme Maintainer of those sheltered your lotus feet, O original personality of God, the process of austerity and penance in which you instructed us before is the spiritual power of your very self. It is by austerity that you create the material world, which lies dormant within you. This austerity is almost stopped by the activities of this demon, but now by yourself appearing in the form of Nisinghadev, which is meant to give us protection. And by killing this demon, you have again approved the process of austerity. So very much seeing it through their eyes. Then the uh, inhabitants of the Pitri Loka, um, where sometimes descendants um, um, take birth after this life. The inhabitants of Pitri Loka prayed, let us offer our respectful obeisances unto Lord Nishingadev, the maintainer of the religious principles of the universe. He has killed Hiranyakashipu, the demon, who by force enjoyed all the offerings of the Shraddha ceremony. So they, yes, so people in Pitriloka get this Shraddha um, uh, offering, um, Pinda, uh, from sons and grandsons at the, on the anniversary of their death. So here it says, he has killed Hiranyakashipu, the demon, who by force enjoyed all the offerings of the Shraddha ceremony performed by our sons and grandsons on the anniversaries of our death, and who drank the water with sesame seeds offered in holy places of pilgrimage. So he stopped what was good for us, basically. By killing this demon, O Lord, you have taken back all this stolen property from his abdomen by piercing it with your nails. We therefore wish to offer our respectful obeisances unto you. So, so you know, by offering the prayers from their point of view, it, it, it doesn't come off as the same kind of pure bhakti that we're going to hear from Pallad, who just wants uh, the Lord's mercy and also wants the Lord to be merciful even to his father. So the inhabitants of Siddha Loka, where mystic power, where people have great mystic powers, they prayed, O Lord Nishingadev, because we belong to Siddha Loka, we automatically achieve perfection in all eight kinds of mystic power. Yet Hiranyakashipu was so dishonest that by the strength of his power and austerity, he took away our powers. Thus he became very proud of his mystic strength. Now, because this rogue has been killed by your nails, we offer our respectful obeisances unto you. So basically, thank you very much for helping us get back our powers. Now, the inhabitants of Vidyadhara pray, Loka pray. Our acquired power to appear and disappear in various ways according to various, to varieties of meditation was banned by that foolish Hiranyakashi because of his pride in his superior bodily strength and his ability to conquer others. 
Now the supreme personality of God has killed him just as if the demon were an animal. Unto this, that supreme pastime form of Lord Nishingadev, we eternally offer our respectful obeisances. The inhabitants of Nagaloka, the snakes, uh, said, The most sinful Hiranyakashipu took away all the jewels from our hoods and all our beautiful wives. Now, since his chest has been pierced by your nails, you are the source of all pleasure to our wives. We are uh, Thus, we together offer respectful obeisances unto you. Uh, now the Manus, the fathers of mankind, they replied, all the Manus offer their prayers as follows. As your ordered carriers, O Lord, we the Manus are the Lord givers for human society, but because of the temporary supremacy of this demon, Hirani Kashipu, our laws for maintaining Varnashram and Dharma were destroyed. O Lord, now that you have killed this great demon, we are in our normal condition. Kindly order us, your eternal servants, what to do now. Now, um, Yes, I, I did. I say the Manus, they're not the, always the progenitors. Here they're the lawgivers. Now the progenitors are next. The Prajapatis offer their prayers as follows. I'm, I'm sorry, real, real quick. Yes. Which, uh, I, lo- I lost track. Which uh, verse are we on? Oh, uh, we're just starting 50, uh, 49. Okay, thanks. Okay. The Prajapatis offer their prayers as follows. Oh, Supreme Lord, Lord of even Brahma and Shiva, we, the Prajapatis, were created by you to execute orders, but we were forbidden by Hiranyakashipu to create any more good progeny. Now the demon is lying dead before us, his chest pierced by you. Let us therefore uh, offer our respectful obeisances unto you, whose incarnation in the form of pure goodness is meant for the welfare of the entire universe. So they're all saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, Hiranyakashipu stopped us from doing what is our duty to do. And now, like, we can do it again. The uh, Kantarvas are, um, they're, they're singers, dancers, um, have great beauty. The inhabitants of Kantarva Loka prayed, Your Lordship, we, are, we ever engage in your service by dancing and singing and dramatic performances. But this Hiranyakashipu, by the influence of his bodily strength and valor, brought us under his subjugation. Now he has been brought to this low condition by your lordship. What benefit can result from the activities of such an upstart as Hiranyakashipu? Inhabitants of Charna planet said, O Lord, because you have destroyed the demon Hiranyakashipu, who was always a stake in the heart of all honest men, we are now relieved and we eternally take shelter at your lotus feet, which award the conditioned soul liberation from materialistic contamination. Second, just turning on my fan here. 52. The inhabitants of Yakshaloka prayed, O controller of the 24 elements, we are considered the best servants of your lordship because of rendering services pleasing to you. Yet we engage as palaquin, yet we engage as palaquin carriers um, by the order of Hiranyakashipu, the son of Diti, a lord of, in the form of Nishinghadev. You know how the, this demon gave trouble to everyone, but now you have killed him, and his body is mixing with the five material elements. The inhabitants of Kim Purusha Loka said, We are insignificant living entities. If you are the supreme personality of Godhead, the supreme controller. Therefore, how can we, uh, how can we offer suitable prayers unto you? When this demon was condemned by devotees because they were disgusted with him, he was then killed by you. Um, in the purport at the end, Prabhupada writes, the devotees following in the footsteps of Prahlad Maharaj should not be disturbed by the demoniac activities of the non-devotees. Rather, they should stick to their principles as sincere servants of the Lord and rest assured that the demoniac activities directed against them will not be able to stop their devotional service. So this is a very significant point that we by Krishna's mercy, we can control what we think about. Right? And the the mind is such an interesting, it almost is attracted, not almost, it often is attracted to things that bewilder us or things that we don't like to hear. Right? Um, Or think about. Can you give an example of that? Um, 
Oh, I mean, you sure? How many? Um, I mean, again, I don't mean to always bring up politics because I live in D.C. Well, but okay, yeah, like the news in general. You're the right. news were, yeah, how many, you know, liberal news things had Trump on their front page every day for the last four years? Yeah. Right? Or um, um, the person who has done us wrong, we tend to think of them sometimes more intensely than our loved ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's another example. Mm-hmm. Or uh, we get in some, uh, you know, we, you know, we. Um, oh, well, here, here's an example. Uh, to, to, like my, I don't know what what where where my son's mind is at, but he um, had uh, his computer stolen the other day, and it's a, it was a uh, Apple, so expensive computer, and he's not doesn't have that much money. He's you know young man. Um, so I, so maybe he's thinking about that like all day, even though there's not much he can do about it anymore. He got the police report, you know. Um, but you know, we, or, or, you know, you know what I mean? So we're in anxiety about a relationship. We're in anxiety about money. So many things we, we, um, often tend to, uh, uh, maybe obsess is a long word, uh, wrong word, but really dwell, dwell on such things where we have the choice. Sometimes we think we don't have the choice. No, this terrible thing happened to me. I have to think about it. But, you know, taking a step back and, you know, kind of thinking of the serenity prayer, you know, what can I influence and let me do that and what I can't influence and having the wisdom to know the difference. Um, So applying that to this uh, point here that we can let others, we empower other people to disturb us. They do something that is disturbing, but it's our choice how much we wish to dwell on that or how much we wish to even think a little philosophically. Don't be upset at the agent of your karma. Uh, you try to understand something from that other person's point of view and em- show empathy. You know, there, there's different, or just think of Krishna, which is what Krishna suggests in the Gita. And, that, um, uh, and even when Arjuna had to do this crazy, you know, this very difficult service uh, on the battlefield, Krishna said, think of me first and then do it. Mam anusmara yudhya Mam means me. Anusmara means to remember. Yudya means to fight, or in our case, it might be, you know, doing our duty and whatever our occupation is. Um, so we really have that choice. And, and I know, I can tell you from my own experience that my mind will sometimes almost try to convince me, no, no, you have to think about this. This thing is just so big or it's such a problem. You know, and, and instead of thinking of Krishna, you should really think about this. And of course, we have to deal with things practically. That's, that's a given. You know, if, if, you, if your computer gets stolen, you do want to make a police report and you do want to then look at your bank balance and see what you can afford. You know, so there's, there's a practical side to things, but there's a big difference between dealing with something practically and dwelling on it unnecessarily and, and having it take away from our spiritual consciousness. Mm-hmm. So Prabhupada writes again, the devotees following in the footsteps of Prabhupada Maharaj should not be disturbed by the demoniac activities of the non-devotees. So I'm, I'm stretching it from demoniac, you know, to all kinds of things that happen in our life. Rather, they should stick to their principles as sincere servants of the Lord and rest assured that the demoniac activities directed against them will not be able to stop their devotional service. Now, there's two other really important points in that one sentence. Uh, one is stick to our principles, and the other is nothing can stop devotional service. So let's, let's look at those. Sticking to our principles, we all know that we want to be like that. We want to uh, have the what we should be do, what we know we should be doing, line up with what we actually do. And we all know that we all fall short of that at some point and to some degree or another. So, you know, sticking to principles, even when it's easy to give them up, is is a deep meditation. And the fact that nothing ultimately, nothing. Uh, Nothing can ultimately stop devotional service um, because it's not of this world. And so, you know, being totally broke and being, you know, you don't, can't stop bhakti. Being on death row can't stop you from thinking of Krishna. 
Um, even I, 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 I think I maybe mentioned this last week, this one wonderful lady devotee who uh, uh, has, has, I think she's still alive, has dementia. And she is in this, in the system living place. Um, but she just like will say Hare Krishna and not, not necessarily, you know, just that's, that's what she says all day, just Hare Krishna. And she doesn't really, you know, have much of a, but it's, in other words, even dementia in one sense can't stop your bhakti. My mom had dementia and, uh, when she lived in Vrindavan, first of all, she, uh, she was taking prasadam every day and also living in the Holy Dham. But we would have this conversation, and I would go, Mom, Hare Krishna. And she would go, Hare Krishna, what's that? And I'd just go, Mom, Hare Krishna. And she'd go, Hare Krishna, what's that? So we would just chant together like that. <laughs> um, so ultimately, uh, you know, even a child can take part in it, even a dog can take part in Field Transcendental Bliss Prabhupada's uh, famous introduction lecture on the holy name. So the only thing that really stops us from devotional service is ourselves. <laughs> so very, so in this few sentences, such uh, important uh, points are being made. Some thoughts on this. Right. That idea that you're almost attracted to think about that which bothers you the most. When I think of like, just everything that's going on in the news where it seems like everything is becoming just degrading at an increasing rate. The amount of time I spend focusing and a lot of it is because I worry about my daughter mm-hmm. and, and like, Oh my God, things are, are, you know, lines of thought that would have seemed so, so deviant just 20 years ago are, are becoming almost, mainstream now and um you know so you know i worry about how things will be you know 20 30 years from now when my daughter is an adult so the amount of time i spend on youtube like just trying to figure out what's going on or things like that basically focusing on all this negative energy it really is uh so let's look at that that's a great example um what can you control and what can't you control? Obviously, you can't control the destiny of the of, of the country, or, right? Or, you know, what people in Kansas are going to put in their um, uh, textbooks, right? Uh, you can control your the uh, the amount of love and care you show your daughter now, even even when you're far away. You can you can if you like talk about some options you have for her schooling as she gets older. You know, there is, there are um, alternative schools that, uh, that might, might be more attractive to you or, or homeschooling, you know, Mm -hmm. so, so that, you know, that kind of thing, usually when we, when we think about things that are within our control and, you know, by Krishna's mercy within our control, um, we, we usually gain energy. And when we think about and put thought into things that are without our control, we usually lose energy. So, and it's not easy. I'm not, I hate, I, I struggle with this a lot, but really, you know, we, who knows? Um, you, we won't always be there to be with our children. You know, uh, they have their, and also it is, I, this is not something for you to meditate on. Your daughter's so young, but our children do have their own fate and their own karma, and their own yeah. uh, relationship with Krishna. Also, that uh, that we help them with all of those, um, and at the same time, we recognize that this is a uh, soul that has a relationship with Krishna. So, you know, here I am, I, I'm, I, you know, Dean, I'm talking to you, but I really feel I'm talking to myself, because I also, you know, uh, get into these, you know, ruts of uh, focusing on the negativity. Okay. But, uh, but, but no, no, as we said very much earlier that we are taking these people's association on YouTube, this and that, and maybe we want to, uh, spend more time in holy association. Yeah. By the way, as a side note, is your son still in the UK or is he back? My son's in the UK. Okay. I just spoke to him today. Yeah. 
Is he coming back at some point, or he has a uh, probably at some point, but it may be some years. Oh, okay. Yeah, he has a job there, as a place and everything. <laughs> okay, so let's um, let's just finish this chapter, which is a yeah. So the inhabitants of Vitalika Loka said, "My dear Lord, uh, dear Lord." Because of chanting your spotless glories in great assemblies and er arenas uh, of sacrifice, we were accustomed to great respect from everyone. So, yeah, this demon took away our great respect. This demon, however, usurped that position. Now, to our great fortune, you have killed this great demon exactly as one cures a chronic disease. The Kanaras uh, said, O Supreme Controller, we are ever... Uh, existing servants of your lordship. But instead of rendering service to you, we were engaged by this demon and his service constantly and without remuneration, even even pay them. <laughs> this sinful man has now been killed by you. Therefore, Lord Nishingadev, our master, we offer our respectful obeisances unto you. Please continue to be our patron. The associates of Lord Vishnu and Vaikunta offered this prayer. O Lord, our supreme giver of shelter today, we have seen your wonderful form of Lord Nishingadev, meant for the good fortune of all the world. O Lord, we can understand that Hiranyakashipu was the same Jaya who engaged in your service but was cursed by Brahmanas and who thus received the body of a demon. We understand that his having now been killed is your special mercy upon him. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta purport of the 7th Canto, 8th Chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam, entitled Lord Nishingade Slays the King of the Demons. Okay. Any last comments, questions? So, you know, the final from the Vakunti Loka residence, as we heard from Nanda Sunanda. So when he hears, they are speaking the last and becomes a good point for all the previous speakers or all the previous uh, residents of different heavenly planets to introspect what they spoke because they were so much focusing on themselves. And now yes. they get the realization, wait a minute, that's a devotee of the Lord who was cursed. That's right. <laughs> Very nice point. Very nice point. Yeah, it really is the culmination of the chapter, isn't it? The last... Uh, because they actually saw what was going on beyond, you know, everyone else kind of looking out for number one a little bit. Of course, they're great souls. We're not trying to, it, we certainly don't want to criticize Lord Brahma, Lord Shiva, or any of these uh, exalted members. We're just comparing that to the pure bhakti that we're going to hear about in the next chapter. That's, that's the point. Yes, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so that was, uh, that was uh, uh, the end of that chapter, and we will be Entering into uh, chapter nine, Prahlad uh, pacifies Lord Nishingadev by prayers. And that will be uh, Krishna willing next week. So have a very pleasant week and uh, Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Rose. Thank Hare you. Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.